Welcome to the Tej Talks podcast. Forget the property celebrities. We speak to relatable people with fascinating journeys, just like you. Hosted by Tej Singh, we bring you new stories, life-changing deals, and expert advice every week. Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and greetings. Today, we are going to talk rent to rent, something we haven't spoken about since the last episode with Jack Wicks. Go and check it out. It's one of the highest listened to ones out there. But this week, we have Pete Baker. He's based in Reading, which for anyone outside of London is kind of like to the west of London. It's not Slough. It's not like Swindon or Bristol. It's kind of there. Um, Now, he has about 11 rent to rents at the moment. And that portfolio in itself is more than enough to take anyone out of their job and, and pay for their life and their expenses and, and everything and, and probably quite a bit more. Um, he works with his business partner, Ash, who he met at work, who was his manager, which is a story in itself. Um, he's made a few mistakes, had quite a few challenges, but his learnings, his trials, his errors, his tribulations are all in this podcast with you um, to show you how to find a rent rent property, how to source it the kind of figures he looks at, what he looks at, some freebies, some of his spreadsheets to give away. Um, he's also giving away 15-minute consultations. Get in touch with me and I'll organise these. No competition or anything. He's just giving them away. Speak to me. We'll sort these out. Um, and it's a really, really interesting story. You know, he's netting, I think it was seven and a half grand a month from rent to rent. Doesn't own a single one. Spent, you know, two to four grand on each one. And that's the kind of return he's getting. But he talks about the realities. It does take time to get your money back out. It's not a get rich quick, chuck on your Gucci shoes and your pink shirt type money scheme. You know, it is a business in itself. But he's very positive with it and his results are fantastic. So here we go. Oh, it's me again. You thought it was going to cut straight to Pete, didn't you? Well, yeah, just kidding. As usual, um, this is free. There's no adverts. If you're liking the content, please, please, please go to iTunes. Leave me a review. I'm trying to get to 100. I'm on like 95. Someone give me the last five. It's one of my goals. Um, and or leave it on Facebook if you haven't got an Apple device and give me feedback. Let me know any interesting guests you want to get on. And this time, legit, here we go. Here is me and Pete. Pete Baker, welcome to the Tej Talks podcast. Hi, Tesh. Thanks for having me. No, you're most welcome. I think you, your story is quite interesting. You had some redundancies, some frustrations with, with being employed, um, claims of you being unmanageable uh, have, have, been <laughs> heard, <laughs> have been heard through Reading. Um, so it'd be really good to delve into your story and, and kind of show others that despite these, these challenges, which were probably benefits in the long run, um, you can kind of do whatever you need to do and actually with not a huge amount of money down, right? So mm-hmm. we'll be talking about your rent to rent business today. So let's start off, you know, kind of pre-property. What were you doing and why did you get fired? Um, oh, Jesus Christ, what a, <coughs> what a question to start off with. <laughs> Straight pretty in. Much, pretty much <laughs> central to everything. So um, to explain a bit better, I guess, I've been in sales for 10 years at a couple of different companies. Um, three different companies since I left uni in sales and been uh, made redundant from the first two. Um, I guess I did a sort of a year or two. It was new business sales, account management. It's quite short and sharp. Uh, the first one, the, it was during the sort of financial crisis, so I can write that one off. Um, although I always would have been first one to go because I just had a, a terrible attitude, really. And I think when I say terrible attitude, I mean I just was sort of too cocky. Um, I was always confident, but I think that just over over 
sort of filled the, the cup a little bit in the beginning. So that was that one. The second one was a much better security company. Um, really, really good experience there, but just fell out with the manager. Um, and then I spent sort of the last eight years of that at a business intelligence company. And that's really the, the key one. That's where I worked with uh, Ash Wallier, who's now my business partner. We still can't really remember the day when we actually decided to start a business. I think I just had read about it. I'd always wanted to be in property and so had he generally. But I think I'd read about rent to rent, realized that I could sort of develop a cash flow strategy um, to make some money per month, replace my income, get out of work and then really try and start to buy places from there. But first of all, it was the rent to rent idea. Went in, spoke to Ash. Um, he agreed and decided to set up the business, did, did all that in about two or three months of doing the website myself, doing some marketing and all of the business setup was done relatively quickly. Um, I had some, some money myself where I'd brought and sold a house and probably bought it for 190 grand, I think it was, and sold it for 270. It was about two and a half, two and a half years with some light decoration, so it's quite a good result that. And then we started the business with some significant money in the first place and we could truly guarantee our landlord's rent, not just say it, but we could actually have some money there to, to do so. So that's the, the sort of brief story of how I got into it. And I landed in that role with Ash um, and stayed there for eight years, did did quite well, but I just always knew I didn't want to work full time for someone else. So it was time to take the leap. Mm. And you know the way you describe yourself. Um, so I work in recruitment. So when you said you were confident yeah. and cocky, I just thought that sounds like every salesman. That's kind of like that's what you need to succeed. So it's interesting that you kind of had that at the beginning. And so, you know, for you, was it weird going to Ash, someone you kind of work with slash your manager, and saying, "Hey, <laughs> let's start a side business to get me out of this job together." <laughs> you got to have some big trust there. And uh, Ash is a funny character. He's like super stern and. It can be quite tough, but we'd always had a good relationship because uh, although I was sort of cocky and confident, I always wanted to do what was best for the business and put the business first up until that point. Um, so I'd always been sort of quite committed and I think I'd done done well in the job and <clears throat> been quite loyal to the job over that time. So we developed a strong relationship in and outside of the business anyway. Um, so it's, on paper, it was very weird and it was very risky because if we had turned around and said, uh, no, you need to concentrate on your day job. It could have been the end of it there. But I think we'd we talked about it in different ideas a few times before. So I had an inkling that he was going to be okay with it. And I think I, I've always been the one in our working relationships to come up with these crazy ideas. And he's been the one to either shoot him down straight away or if he doesn't, then to get on board with it and really make a good go of it. And there's been some gems in there. So this was another one of those gems, thankfully. Hmm. And how useful has kind of a career in sales been to property investment? Have you used the kind of skills and, and qualities you developed? Oh, yeah, definitely. It's been sort of paramount to um, everything, really. So to start the business, it gave me the, you know, the confidence I've come from sales. I was able to speak to people, to build relationships. And very much our business mantra is just to build long-term relationships. I know it's something everybody says, but we truly try and do things ethically we do and pay more than we should to, you know, to tenants to help them out, to landlords. We do the houses more than we should. We try and spend and, you know, offer just more than we should do to, to put some good stuff in the market that hopefully come back to us. So that relationships thing is definitely what is, I've kind of learned over the years of sales is just the long term gains rather than you know short term wins or cutting corners. And um, it's better to just try and offer as much value, uh, value as possible 
so that in the long term it does come back to you. You don't always know how it's going to come back to you. You don't know what the ROI of, you know, giving tenants last night £100 to go and spend on IKEA to make the house a bit nicer. You, you don't know when it's going to come back, but it does. Mm. No, definitely. And that's something I think quite a few guests have said is that that working with integrity, looking at the long game, making things of high quality and giving, it, it does always come back in some shape or form and you're kind of spot on there. And I guess also working in sales kind of allowed you to deal with all the kind of you know, rejections, people saying no, yeah. kind of offers falling through, which is quite tough for most people who haven't come from sales, right? Yeah, you've got to be super resilient in sales and particularly in recruitment as well, as you know better than me. So that gives you a, an extra an extra couple of sets of skin, really. You're going to get a, a lot of no's, both obvious no's and things that don't go to plan or quite as well as you want to do. So that definitely helps a lot. Yeah, I agree. Hmm. And you know, I guess, you know, rent to rent is a great strategy, you know, generally because you can put in a little bit of money and you can get some nice cash flow per month. Was that the only reason you picked it or was there anything else about it that made it quite attractive to you? No, that was it. Just the cash flow. So what we've tended to do is, is look broadly at lots of different strategies, lots of different tactics, areas. Um, but ultimately, just to get back and focus on one thing, one clear path. And, you know, the first step of this ultimate multi-million pound property journey that hopefully will one day be is just simply to get out of the day job to not have to rely on somebody else to be able to have the free capacity and time to spend on doing up houses when we eventually start to buy them and but step one is very much just to replace the income and get out of the day job to get that time back absolutely And, and do you remember the first deal you worked on and some of the figures for it um yeah so the the first one we worked on but lost was probably a terrible example <laughs> there was a, a few of those in the beginning where we were trying to make a deal happen and we were too motivated to do deals that was a, a key lesson that we learned is that not all business is good business we knew that from sales but we didn't really carry that on in the beginning i was so keen to get some deals done that we were almost doing the wrong deals that's where ash comes in i'm, I'm the excited one i'm the one who spends money i'm the one who wants to do deals and do business and ash is the one who wants to you know take a step back take another look at it so that's where our sort of two personalities fit in um but numbers wise the very first deal that we actually did um would have been benson close you know we spent again just to chop off one of the questions from later on about what our mistakes were one of the resounding mistakes we made in the beginning was to spend too much on furniture and get be too slow to actually market the properties so we've done a, a training course um after a couple of months of coming up with the idea and during that it was kind of pounded into us not to spend too much up front and to get the property listed as quickly as possible and we just didn't listen so on our first house we probably spent about four grand which is about twice as much as we'd spend now on the furniture and um, we took about six weeks to get the furniture built and how we liked it then we took another two weeks to get some some pictures done and it marketed and then we sort of gradually started to show people around and then we learned about a facebook boost and, and then we faffed about a bit and did you know booked um viewings in one by one as opposed to multiple ones on the same day so we were sluggish but the numbers we long story short we make about 650 quid per month from that house still to this day and um, so decent numbers but we just spent far too much money on it up front mm. and I guess that kind of links to property can often be forgiving you know you made these mistakes you look back and yeah. think what you know what yeah. else are we doing but yeah. 
it's still netting you enough to pay, you know, your bills, your shopping, your car insurance. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of covering bits of your life, which is awesome to come from something that we look back at and think, oh, damn it. So how long ago was that? Um, so it was two years ago, roughly, just under two years ago, it would have been our first deal done. And we only started the business in the November before that. So it was about two or three months before we did our first deal. Okay. And, and was that two or three months of like actively sourcing, looking, hustling, trying to get a deal? Yeah. So we, we did get quite a few opportunities up front, but they just weren't right. They were, first of all, our first strategy was to market to people who already had HMO set up and were licensed. And um, of course, now since October, there's a lot more houses licensed and, and the laws have changed. But initially, there was only a selection of them that were actually licensed. So we thought we would go to those landlords and uh, offer to manage their houses. But the trouble with that strategy is they all want to still make the money they would have made if they managed it themselves. So the first two or three houses that we all sourced ourselves, again, we got the sales skills. So we just got on the phone and we did speak to some agents, but we spoke to some landlords as well direct. Um, and, and the trouble was we, they just wanted too much money for it in the beginning. So two or three months included actually registering the business, creating the website, producing marketing leaflets for direct to vendor strategies, listing with the agents in the area and beginning to build relationships with them slowly. Um, so we've got quite a lot done, really, especially as it was over Christmas. But by, I think it was February that year, we had our first deal already. Wow. And that's quite, a, a, I guess, a note to anyone who's considering rent for as a strategy. Yeah, you can kind of get cash flow quicker than, say, buying and other things. But you still need those kind of few months to set things up, to source, to make things correct, et cetera, et cetera, right? So, yeah, that's right. So that's two years sort of a go far I guess if you kind of fast forward to where we are now are you still working how many rent events do you currently have no so not working now I work in the business full-time and um, been doing that for about I'm trying to leave maybe three months now so work in the business full-time Ash still works back at our last company um so yeah he's generally pissed off day to day he uh <laughs> yeah, listen, listen to my stories about how great it is and what we're doing and going out and living the dream and he has to still work full-time but he will eventually come into the business as well um but yeah so it took us realistically it took us about a year and a half's worth of active action to to leave work and we've created nearly enough money per month for ash to come in as well Although there'll be a further delay because we're going to keep some of contingency anyway. But just to give an idea out for listeners that, you know, I, I think within between a year and a year and a half is a, a fairly realistic um, ambition to get out of the world of work. If you've got quite a decent salary as well, wasn't it a pauper? You could sort of four or five grand a month to replace two kids and marriage on the way, honeymoon to pay for, houses and a new car to pay for. So I'm not talking about, you know, scraping the barrel. If you've got a decent salary in recruitment, sales or IT, and you're a bit worried that when people talk about replacing your income, you actually earn quite a decent salary now. I would have, I would say, from my experience, within a year, year and a half, you can do that at the same time as your job and kids and car and get married. <laughs> <laughs> you can do it, I think. Superman. So that's, and again, that's really interesting because that's a realistic timeline. Like, I know some courses and, you know, the internet might say sooner, but like with any business, it, it does take time. And, and on that, right, like with rent to rent, obviously you've got an upfront cost. You may have a deposit. Um, you may have to pay the first month's rent, depending on obviously what you negotiate, which you can tell us. But how, like how long 
does it actually take per property roughly before you actually make a profit and cover your upfront costs? Yeah, I'd say about probably about wildly dependent on the scenario. But in the the one thing people don't talk about, like you hit the nail on the head there as well, is it's going to take longer than you think because at some point you're going to run out of money pretty fast. So you spend the time setting up the business, you source the properties, and either you're going to go direct, it will take a bit longer, or you go to the agents, you get more of them, but you have to pay more. Um, to answer your question, so at least five or six months is a, a good estimation, I think. Mm. And so when you put that into kind of the bigger picture, if you have three or four or five going on at the same time, you've got a little bit of debt in that you've you know, had this upfront cost and it, it'll take five to six months to get that all back. Obviously, there's ways of you know, not holding that debt. I know people use credit cards, use person, whatever they do. How did you pay for this debt? Was it just from savings? I guess, I mean, we were quite lucky and this is where it's a bit of a unique scenario. So there's twofold with it. The first thing where we were maybe slightly more unique than a lot of people will be getting into rent to rent is that we came into the business with a lot of money and, you know, maybe probably brought in about 30 grand or something into the first few deals which meant that we didn't have to sort of borrow money wait for money have a cost back pay that back pay any interest so that's the first clear point because not everyone's going to come in with thousands of pounds of money particularly in rent to rent but the second one is because we were both still working and taking no money at the, at the same time so we were less concerned about how those sort of four five or six months it was going to take to pay it back we were happy to take the money to leverage it into a you know another house um, and, and do multiple houses at the same time. So where we got the money from was that sale of the house in the beginning and then Ashes put money in afterwards. But we really had the money to start with. And on top of that, we weren't taking any salary or didn't need to take any salary at all until we had enough to cover the full salary. So they're just two really key points because when you're starting out, you'll hear that you can get into rent to rent, you can do it in six months. It's a lot of money required in that short space of time. And either it's got to come from, you know, cards, um, additional finance, friends, your own money, or um, it's got to come from somewhere. It's not um, you know, making money straight away, as you've, you've highlighted there. Mm, definitely. And I think that's that's a good reality to kind of show people that, yeah, it can get you out of your job. You're, you know, you're the, the case study for that. But it can take longer and take more upfront capital than people might think. So, I mean, what does your like rent to rent portfolio look like now? How many properties do you have in it? Yeah, so we've got 11 houses at the moment. We would have had a few more, but we've just handed a couple back as well. One that was naturally finishing and another guy who's sort of taken it back temporarily while he developed into a bigger HMO. So I would have said higher than when I was on perhaps some other appearances, but <laughs> now it's gone back down again, but we're making slightly more money because we've got better margins on these houses. But long story short, we've got 11 houses. Hmm. And how much does that bring in in a month profit? Um, I think it's about 7,500 as well, which is you know the, the acid test of how much houses can make, I guess. There's some people out there banding huge numbers around, which I'm always a bit sceptical, but that is the God's honest truth of how much it brings in per month, realistically, after all the costs. Wow. Okay. So, that, you know, so that's, I mean, that's pretty decent. You know, even if you're splitting it between two people, it's still, you know, a kind of strong number and enough to, you know, replace a sort of frugal lifestyle at, at the kind of very minimum, right? Yeah, sure. 
and you're not owning a single property and and you know you do get your money back out after five to six months so it's a you know you can see why it's a, a really attractive strategy um could you talk me through the best deal that you've done so far um yeah the, the one that comes to mind the one that makes the most money again is a, a, a unicorn one where we kind of took it on we paid someone else to source the tenants they did really quick so i'm, I'm a little bit hesitant in talking about that one because it's not good value for everyone else but maybe it's, it's helpful as a sort of showing what the result is after all the hard work uh, the first thing is i'll start off a, a typical deal and then we'll just talk about that big one as well um you know a typical deal and right from the beginning you need to decide i think from scratch whether you're going to go direct to landlords or whether you're going to go through agents um, agents are funny buggers as well you've got to remember that you've got to deliver a lot of value for an agent to give you their house that they're going to list to a single family so you might have to pay a slightly better fee the, but the way we work is that we built good relationships we've always done what we said we're going to do but the value to agents is that the houses are going to rent fast so if you can identify that perhaps some of the bigger houses take quite a long time to rent you have to show it to 15 families and they want to check out you know a room in the back for their dog and then they want to check out sort of the, the bedrooms, um, all the details. It takes a long time for them to rent big houses. So the first bit of value you could offer to agents if you're going to go down that route is that you can rent them straight away. You show to say to them that you've got, if you have, say to them that you've got the money, you're not going to waste their time, you'll show up to every viewing um, and try and offer them and think from their side of things what it is you're going to you know, be able to offer up above and beyond just paying perhaps slightly more on the rent they would have got. They're really interested in just doing deals quick easy you're set up they've got a contract with you in place so you can get all your paperwork across early and try and make that as easy as possible and once you've got that they'll start coming back to you with with other properties so just away from that tip bit we decided to go down the route of agents and agents only we haven't got any houses direct so we're also showing to the agents that we're not going to go in there and steal your landlords or landladies we always want to work through agents we want that relationship we want to help you do better get rid of houses quicker and easier um, but then from the same side, we want you to come to us first and, and offer us houses. So that's the sort of relationship we've got with our agents. And that's the way we wanted to go down the route. Now, I've completely forgotten what the question was. But... Um, you were telling us about a typical deal in terms of like what it looks like in the figures and then also what your best one looked like. Yeah, sure. So a typical typical deal is a five bedroom house. It would have been listed as a four bedroom house before. It might have a dining room and a living room separate downstairs. So we could use that extra room for a you know, a five bedroom house. That's going to be your, your typical rent to rent. It's, in Reading, it's going to make maybe six to seven hundred pounds. Um, we've got a few deals just like that. Actually, the first probably five deals were all very, very similar. All five or six bedroom houses, and they all make six fifty or seven hundred pounds a month. It's actually amazing. I look at the net. Um, profit on each of the houses it's amazing how close that money is it's within sort of 10 or 30 pounds so i can say with conviction 650 to 700 in in reading for a five bed that started as a four bedroom house when it was listed with an agent that's that was our sort of bread and butter in the beginning now we did have another house as well where it's actually a 15 bedroom house uh, it's got nine bedrooms upstairs and six downstairs it's actually just become eight bedrooms upstairs but it was a 15 bedroom house split into two apartments came through an agent that we developed this relationship with like i was talking about um that all makes about 1200 pounds per month um upstairs and about 600 pounds downstairs so that's 
quite a killer deal for those two houses. But that was the result of always doing what we say we're going to do, decorating it super nicely, painting some of the walls, um, taking up carpets, doing loads of things that we shouldn't do as standard, but we're trying to put the love back into houses, agents, landlords. And out of that came one of those agents who turned around and said, I've got this fantastic house. Um, we want to show you first. And it turned out to be this great monster house in a prime location, um, which was the sort of fruit of our labor, really. Wow. And, you know, it, it definitely is the fruit of your labor and, and working with integrity. And, and like you said, doing those extra little bits, because I think if someone's focused on rent to rent or any strategy or business just for the money, just for the end game, they're never going to do what you did. And they're never going to get the deal that you just did. But because you're focused on the quality, the success, the, the, the love aspect, the money naturally comes as it clearly does with that deal. And and that's something for the listeners, isn't it? Kind of focus on the success, the quality, the, the tangible goals and, you know, the bags with the dollar signs on will, will just come rolling in afterwards, like naturally. Um, yeah, yeah. That's really interesting. Okay. And then, you know, this obviously allows you to quit your job. You, you've quit your job and you've gone full time into it. Like, how have you found that transition? Like, kind of, I guess, working from home, like working alone, kind of, how, how have you kind of fared with that? Yeah, it's very, very strange. It's it's strange on sort of two or three parts. One of them is just to work without Ash for a start in our sort of day-to-day you know, physical form. Obviously, he's my business partner now. He was my boss before, but it was a lot easier in some sense when I was working actually physically with him in our other business as well. Um because we were sort of seeing each other every day and it was easier to communicate, to plan things, to get things done. And so it's very strange now. Now that I'm solely working in the business, I speak and work with him a lot less. Um, And second of all, to work on your own as well, it sounds fantastic. And I like spending a lot of time on my own. Um, But suddenly to just be out on your own, out of an office, not seeing anyone sort of during the day quite a lot of the time, it's completely different. So... Yeah, it's um strange to get used to, that's for sure. Yeah, no, it, it definitely is. I, I've been working from home alone almost for like two years. And, yeah. you know, in recruitment, as you know, it's like a, a sales job. You're kind of you're always getting battered on the phone in, yeah. in some shape or form. And so it is really, really difficult. I have like seven office plants. That is my, my team. <laughs> that's my the culture yeah. I have here. So it's, yeah, it, it can be really tricky. And, you know, for anyone listening, it's... It, it sounds a lot better, like Pete said, than it is. Mm. You, um, people will realise that soon. Um, and... very it's very, very strange. The first, first few weeks is brilliant. It's just like um, if you're ever going between jobs, like if you've left one, you're going to start another one. If you have five or six weeks or something where you're waiting for your new job, the first two or three are brilliant. And then you just start getting really like cabin fever, <laughs> wondering like, what to do and how many cups of tea can you make? And you start doing the same routine again and again and again. Uh, yeah, it's a funny one. Yeah, I've had cabin fever for two years, mate. So I don't know what that's. <laughs> I don't know if it's called the same thing or it's changed. Um, yeah. And so you know, rent to rent got you out of your job, got you to where you are now. Yeah. Um, what What are some of the, I guess, like the biggest challenges with mm. rent to rent that you know people should be aware of before they choose it as their kind of strategy? Um, it's going to take longer than you think. That's the first challenge. The first thing that just seems to be not known is it's always billed as a in six months time, you can make £6,000 per month and you're going to be leaving your work and holiday and every day. I think just generally speaking, you need more money than you think you need. Um, and you definitely need at least twice as much time as any training course says. Um, 
the struggle is money. You either need to be, well, you either need to come in with money or you need to figure out where you're going to source it from quite quickly. And sourcing can come from leveraging other houses as well. So we worked out actually doing two houses at the same time was much better because there's some economies of scale in there. You get one set of deposits. You don't have to register for 30 days. So obviously you have to sort of check and develop your own tactics of what's best for your own cash flow needs. But for us, it was better to do two hours at the same time, <clears throat> get all the furniture at the same time, and then you know market the tenants at the same time around the times that we were kind of free. And then you do get a bit of cash flow, cash flow overlay as well, where you have money and you're not yet registered it as one example of ways to sort of leverage money. Either way, it's, it's that management of money to do the houses that you are inevitably going to get with the opportunities. So I would say if you're first starting out is to worry less about how you're going to get the houses and start learning fast about how you're going to manage the money, find the money, um, and really how you're going to look after it once you've got it to get more houses. Mm. And, you know, when you're looking for rent-to-rent, and I guess this is for anyone who is like starting out in rent-to-rent, what... Like for you, what? how do you know that this house is going to work as a HMO and it's going to work and we get the right tenants and it's going to be sort of fairly straightforward? Yeah, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> you never know that you're going to get the right tenants. You've only got the sort of best finger in the sky. Um, the house, if it's going to work, will be, I guess it's down to your numbers in the beginning. Like everyone's got a different strategy of what they're going to go after. That sort of vanilla five-bedroom house that used to be a four-bedroom house is a, is a kind of you know stake in the ground of what your average rent to rent looks like um you just need to do some research it's not possible to just give a sort of template for anyone who wants to find a rent trend that works you get your spreadsheet out you check the room rates that are going on spare room you put those down you work out what the costs are what typical gas electric and water is going to be what the virgin if you're going to have a cleaner put all your costs down work out how much it's going to make and then just make sure the room rates you're predicting for each room as you go around for it match what you've researched on, say, spare room or U-pad or wherever it is that you've got in your area. And that's how you work out whether that individual house works for your, you know, on your individual spreadsheet. Um, and again, we've got a, a deal source spreadsheet. It's not the most complicated in the world. It just gives all the costs, takeaway, gives you your money. If anyone wants it, just drop us a line afterwards and you can have it for free. We've hosted it on our website. You can download it for free as well. Um, that's how you do it, really. You get your numbers right. This is the short answer. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. And, um, you know, I know you finance these deals with your own money from the cash you had from that house sale. But, you know, going forward, like, what is, how are you structuring it? Are you still using your own money? Are you stopping rent to rent? Are you getting investors money? How are you kind of moving that forward? Yeah, so I'd say maybe when we start, we used all our own money. Everybody runs out on property. Everybody in property runs out of money at some point, and we did as well. Um, and that must have been probably about eight or nine months ago. We kind of used all the money that we had. We put it into all the deals, um, and we weren't able to do any more deals quite as quick as we wanted to. So we could do one every sort of three months, but we wanted to be able to look a bit quicker. So we. I had a look online. We used a, a finance brokerage company to find us a, a finance partner. And the sort of finance we've got is a bit like a fancy overdraft where they will they put money in. We borrow on a short term basis um, between sort of six months and 12 months. And that's helped us sort of do more deals quicker. So we just take short term finance where we just need it to get the house set up while we're waiting for other money to come in. 
and we use that sort of short time finance solution. It's just from a you know an official company. We haven't done any joint venture as of yet. Hmm. And how much interest do you pay on that out of out of interest? It's, yeah, out of interest. It's quite quite a lot. I think it's maybe probably twenty percent or something. Wow. Because I'm you know I know you said you haven't done it yet, but I'm sure if you if you had some investors who would lend you that sort of money or joint venture, you could definitely reduce that by half at least. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess for us. We're being a bit strategic, really. We want the joint venture and finance partners when we buy houses, not really too fussed or interested in joint venture for rent to rent. We just want it a bit more self-contained. I know that sounds mm. weird, but no, it makes sense. We really want to just save that those conversations and networking for partners for, for proper joint ventures and big money. It's not really you know half half the percentage. To some people, particularly in the beginning, that half uh, half the interest rate is going to be great, but. Without sounding big handed, but you know, to us, ten percent off. It's not. It's not gonna. I'm not gonna buy any more houses. So. <laughs> Where we are, just want to get it done, but it's already you know set up. It's easy. We get it straight away. It goes into the bank. We don't mind paying the interest because we make a significant amount more on top of the money that we borrow. Um. So it's just something we we will joint venture, but it will be for we buy houses, not for rent to rent. Absolutely, yeah. It's convenient, and why not? You know, we pay for Ubers. They cost a lot more than trains, but they're convenient, right? So yeah, it's fine. Yeah. And um, so what are you doing next in property? Are you are you moving into buying stuff and would you be buying stuff in Reading? Yeah. So again, we just want to keep it simple, not to try and take over the world. So we've, our target is up until July this year, we want to double the amount of rents, rents we've got. And that's based on what we've done so far, how much kind of money we've got left and the time that we've got before we might need to make the next move. Um, so thinking by July, we want to double the amount of houses we've got. We've been to see quite a lot already. A lot of them are rubbish but <laughs> this, this time of year, getting like cast-offs and ones that just don't work numbers-wise at all. Um, but that's the short-term goal. By July, we want to double the amount of rent-to-rents we've got, double the cash flow, and then we want to start buying houses. And we're probably actually going to buy in the north. I know um, we've done a lot of research on, of course, the 18-year property cycle, trends, Overall, for what we want to do is probably buy in either Manchester or possibly even Liverpool. Um, you know, much smaller houses, much smaller uh, investment up front. We'll make lots of mistakes. Everybody does in the beginning. I'd just much rather we made them at a much smaller rate, smaller percentages, smaller cost of you know fixing them on some of the beginner houses, and then we will start to move to slightly larger HMOs in the same sort of area get some local experience, find out who the right tradespeople are, get the right sort of finance deals in place and, and become familiar with, you know, a certain area, whether that might be by one of the many stations in Liverpool or the unis, um, and be, try and become kind of experts in that one small area again. Mm, and, and a common question is, you know, people like you based in Reading, people like me based in London, we want to invest yeah. in Liverpool. How yeah. do you plan to, I know you're, you're full-time in property, but how do you plan to do that? Because it is, what, Four and a half hours away, is it? Uh, Manchester's about two and a half hours on the train. Uh, oh, on know, the train, yeah. I don't know what it's going to be like to drive or, or exactly how we do it, but this is that step one of that. So, of course, we're going to need a lot of time. We're going to need to be there. We're going to need to actually get involved and do some of the work, all the sort of stuff that you won't want to do long term. You will have to do in the beginning because you need to be uh, you know, saving costs, getting a feel for things, getting a feel for the trades going in there. So it will be a lot hands-on in the beginning. Um, but then the, the first step of that was you need loads more time. And that was the reason for leaving the sort of day job. So it's all kind of like leading into the same focus. 
is it going to still be tough? Yes. Um, but, you know, two and a half hours for the sake of making potentially a lot more money. Perhaps it could be based up there. We could do hotels. We could do shared time there. However it's going to be, we'll make it work. And at this early stage, we're not at that stage ready to strike. So I couldn't say what the exact plan will be, but we'd certainly a lot to think about before you make that kind of move up, up to north to invest perhaps. Mm. And yeah, and I guess, you know, two and a half hour commute is not bad because you can listen to Ted's talks the whole way, right? So, exactly. um, you know, yeah, it all works out. Um, and so this is kind of a really broad question. So feel free to kind of, you know, answer it how you like. What are your yeah. thoughts on the property market or I guess in your case, the rent-to-rent HMO market in Reading in your area? Yeah, so it's super competitive. Um, it's got slightly more competitive. I don't really feel much fear for either the property market or rent to rent or frankly any strategy. Not an awful lot's changed. A lot of talk about Brexit, a lot of talk about numbers and changing dynamic. But the bottom line always will remain that people will always need somewhere to rent. The numbers are going up significantly as in line with inflation over the next five years, 15.5%, I think is predicted. Um, even without immigration, and this is the big Brexit debate, I'm not going to get into a Brexit debate, but <laughs> even without immigration, we're not building enough houses fast enough, anywhere near fast enough for, for people to live in. So the rental demand is only going one way and that's up, whether you look at short term, mid term or long term. Um, it's just a prosperous time to be in property. And if you I think, you know, people who have been in property a lot longer would say, if you think about this industry with the long term, if you buy assets for the long term, if you're in property for the long term, then you're not never going to lose it's, it's short-term thinking and short-term angling that gets you a bit caught out sometimes becoming over leveraged um but it's absolutely the right place to be in the right industry to be in and the right time to do it hmm. and you know you and ash have achieved a lot in in you know quite a short period of time and, and looking at what you're going to do until the middle of this year you're going to yeah. achieve even more what what is it about, and this sounds like an interview question now, but what is it about <laughs> you and Ash and your characteristics that meant that you can achieve so much? Like, what is it about your mindset? Do you read certain books, listen to certain things? Like, what is it about you? This sounds like a recruitment question. It does, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've definitely asked this in an interview before. <laughs> Back in an interview again. That's <laughs> um, a massive open-ended question, I guess. Mm. I suppose both of us are quite tough. Both of us are quite resilient. That's two of our personal traits that have put us in good stead really the amount of things that have gone wrong mainly outside the business with sort of family um you know arranging time to fit the business in with work and work with kids and kids with partners and partners with family and traveling and it's it's been an absolute boiling pot so it's been a great test for us individually and collectively to kind of get through that so that resilience is number one without a shadow of a doubt um the resource that we use is to learn is podcasts. So there's so much to learn out there. I think podcasts have sort of come a long way in the last couple of years as well. And I'm only relatively new to listen to them, but podcast is, is what I listen to every day. It helps in motivation and it helps with the learning. You can learn about rent to rent or any different property strategy you're into. So that's a two part thing. It's the resilience of us internally, but just reaching out there for help in forms of podcasts or YouTubes or flicking something on to to learn about it. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's, it's helped us a hell of a lot, really. Mm. And what's your favorite podcast? <laughs> After Tej talks, I, I don't think 
<laughs> a Gary V fan, I think. Yeah, well, well, there we go then. Fair enough. If you want to be good at uh, rent to rent, you need to listen to Test Door. Pete basically just said that. Awesome. Um, That's what's really helped us. Well, there we go. Then I, you know, I didn't want to didn't want to boast about it. Um, so this kind of brings us to nearly the end of the show. My last question is: Is there an app or resource or a bit of technology or technologies that you sort of can't live without? Oh God, there bloody well should be a lot more technologies used than we do do, I think. <laughs> Still doing things on spreadsheets. I love a good spreadsheet. Um, we're using Trello for our CRM. Obviously, listen to podcasts every day. Um, but other than that, we're not using a lot of high tech, even though we've worked in technology for 10 years. So <laughs> something I'm looking at at the moment, I think we're just where we used to work in a CRM every day and use countless you know, things for operation and purchase orders and deliveries and god knows what else we kind of shied away from using anything like that now so just a spreadsheet our key one spreadsheet that runs basically everything that's that's our key tool and that's not a great answer but it's the truth i know it's, it's the truth you know sometimes you don't need you know all this this crazy innovative tech and expensive bits to get things done you know google sheets or, or excel can can often be awesome so we're now at the quick fire round and you know we've covered a few of these questions during the um during the podcast, it'd be good to recap them. If you had to give just three quick tips to people who want to get into rent to rent, what would they be? Um, so number one, actually, I don't think we've talked about it yet, is, is to get your own house in order. So it's better you do it at the beginning rather than midway through or realise you could be you know, refining things as you go. So the first absolute tip would be before you move or leave is to refine your life as much as possible and to get your own house in order so reduce all your costs get anything done that you wanted to get done before you started a business if you're planning on going and seeing someone or getting some tasks done in the garden or getting the house sorted or there's some things that are on your mind that you also wanted to get done try and clear out a lot of that information a lot of those tasks and a lot of those financial burdens certainly before you get started so what I would advise doing is downloading everything from your bank, finding out what you spend and get ready to take two financial steps back before you even think about going forward. You want to get rid of anything that you don't use, any subscriptions. If you don't go to the gym, get rid of it. It's going to take up time anyway. Um, don't go out as much. Don't drink as much. <laughs> You're going to have to go back a couple of steps before you can go forward. You might as well do it now before realizing when you run out of money with a business that you're going to have to do it then. So get any debt paid off that you can get paid off get any credit cards consolidated, get that house in order. That's the, the big first tip. Second is just to rethink about everything you've done, I guess, on the, your strategy. It's, it's tempting in the beginning to come up with a half-baked idea and then go out there and test it first and then realize that you want to do something completely different. So even though I hate this bit of advice, it is true that you get yourself, get your idea together, do as much learning and research as possible, but then just have a little bit of time or, you know, proofread that idea with somebody else or say it out loud to some friends and get some other input on it before you sort of go running into the market and just hope that it works because that negative experience in the beginning could be pretty detrimental unnecessarily um, you know, and you could have unnecessarily avoided it really. Network, if you're not in sales <laughs> already then bloody learn and get on Facebook, you can write, you can post videos is really to just get on social media and either, yeah, write videos or record audio, whatever's more comfortable for you, and get yourself out there and start networking with people. So I spent a lot of time until one o'clock in the morning building my 5,000 friends on Facebook, all property-related, generally speaking, apart from friends and family. And I just very strategically went through 
found all of the people that were on podcasts, all of the influencers, everybody who owns a property company, they're all on my Facebook. And I just night after night after night added hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of those purely for building a base to then learn from. So then my feed has become, you know, an individual, unique, honest learning experience, really, compared to, um, you know, what some people put out there. These were like real life um, experiences and videos and audio on their Facebook of what they were doing day to day, which is a great learning tool. You can see what these people are doing, how they're running their business, how they're uh, getting properties and what the properties look like. So that was a a fantastic tool. So get out on social however it is you can and whatever it is you can do immediately. Start networking and start learning. Amazing. I think that's a fantastic tip and I can definitely vouch that it works. I've done it for my recruitment business. I think I added like 5,000 people over a month every single night and it, it sets that foundation of your free education as well. Um, and how important has like social media and marketing been to you and your business? Um, mentally massive, actually not that much. So <laughs> the property industry, in my opinion, is a, you know, no expert either, but the property industry is probably one of the last hurrahs to get into social media. So it's, it's not the most adaptive one. Um, in terms of my own personal learning and my own development, I'm a huge fan of social media. It, it's not even the future now, it is the, you know, the current landscape that we live in um, and the way that most business will be done in a lot of different way moving forward. So it's been important to, to learn and to get the, the presence out there, although we've done nowhere near enough content that we should have done. Um, it, it's not been so far. We've got everything set up and good to go. We're just not doing what we should be doing and putting massive content out there that's something we're going to be changing over the next sort of few months as well okay awesome and um you know on on a serious note what are your top three sort of i don't know educational resources books podcasts whatever that you'd recommend to people just not necessarily property focused but just business focused to get you in the right mindset for property um i'm a big gary vaynerchuk fan so i would say go and download every episode of, of gary vaynerchuk um, I would say, what have I got on my list now? It's all going to be podcasts. I don't really read anything, to be honest, anymore. Um, it's all podcasts. I listen to a bit of Joe Rogan as well, some lighthearted entertainment. And the other person as well is Rob Moore's Disruptive Entrepreneur podcast. I found that really useful as well. He's also a great guy and has uh, dropped me some messages on Facebook um, back to some questions I had about things as well. So he's another great guy based in Peterborough, running a fantastic business and a super successful podcast. Um, but I'm just a podcast fan, so it's all going to be podcasts for me. <laughs> That's my my top three. Awesome, cool. Well, Pete, it's been a real pleasure speaking to you, and I know there's there's quite a few realities and lessons that you've like given us today, which a lot of people are going to be thankful for to kind of clarify the kind of myths and the dreams around, you know, rent rent in particular, but also in property and how long it really really takes but also you know the kind of results you've achieved are are awesome and like again it it inspires people to say actually yeah i'm gonna have to go through a bit bit of shit to get there but when i get there you know life's gonna be okay right it's worth it yeah i mean as much as we complain both of us about you know working from home and that it's still 50 times better than that shit storm of going into work (laughs) not for a boss every day (laughs) absolutely dude pete thank you so much for coming on no worries. Thanks, Tej. If you like this podcast, connect with Tej on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube for more great content.